What's up, hybrids? Welcome back to another episode of the Phantom Hybrid Podcast. This is Hanako, and I'm here with Anthony, Lori, and Mike. And today we are playing catch up with our birthday episodes. And this one was Anthony's choice. So he <laughs> chose the 1980 sci fi film Battle Beyond the Stars. Sci fi classic. Classic. Film. Just get that right. Battle Beyond the Stars. Classic. Um, <laughs> I had never heard of this movie before. I had never seen this I'm movie sorry, what? before. So today was no. So today was my first entree into this film, and I have <laughs> I have some okay. things to say. <laughs> all right. First of all, as the person who started the birthday viewings with Howard the Duck and how people got on me about the quality of Howard the Duck, I would like to applaud Anthony for choosing this particular movie, which makes Howard the Duck look like Infinity War. And that makes me feel so much. <laughs> makes me feel good in my heart to know that Howard the Duck is no longer on the bottom. I. I oh mean, wait, uh, when when did Howard the Duck come out? Eighties. Yeah, I was gonna say. Okay, so imagine the changes in sixty yeah. years of special <laughs> effects from eighty to eighty-six. Look, I just uh, went down and checked off when I saw a trope: gratuitous <laughs> ass shot, check; gratuitous boob shot, check. Gratuitous old man fighting, either getting shot, stabbed, or wounded, or dying of a heart attack. Check. Uh, gratuitous bikini with hand like oh on my. Side. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna get into all of that because I have thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. Look, this is what my I'm with it. This is this movie brought me back to like my seventh or eighth grade self watching this movie on cable and just loving every second of it this movie and the last starfighter those two movies yes. were like my childhood I, I, i'm and the I same way the last starfighter this movie yeah. enemy mine or like enemy mine yeah oh enemy mine's awesome yeah th- those yes, are sir. that's my childhood i mean not not counting you know star wars and star trek and mm-hmm. but the, you know the, these movies <laughs> are like the core of what makes me a sci-fi Hell yeah. <laughs> fan I mean, this is like the precursor to like Babylon 5 and all those sci-fi channel shows. These are precursors to that. I can you... see that with the smart ass ship talking back to. Yeah, yeah. I, I can definitely. <laughs> exactly. see it. It, it was funny, but I, you know, I think it Well, you know, in 1980, I was only five. So I'm pretty sure I can be like maybe 95 percent positive. My father probably would have seen that movie because my dad was into like sci fi and all that stuff. That's kind of where I came into it. But watching it for the first time as a 46 year old in 2021 and seeing all the things that are problematic about this film, it was hard. I was like, okay, I got to keep an open mind. It's 1980s. But my daughter was sitting downstairs with me on the couch and she's on her phone. And every once in a while, she turned around like, what the fuck? What? What is it? What? There was a lot of that going on. You have to remember it was 1980. You got to take it in context. I know. And I'm not saying this stuff is right because I'm watching it. And I'm sitting there thinking, Hanukkah's <laughs> gonna have some problems. 
Hanukkah. <laughs> this is all I see. Yep, let me that Hanukkah's have a problem with that. Stuff, yeah, that at, least at least there weren't any stereotypical Asian characters in this. So there's <laughs> that. Um, just, hello, just there were no POCs in this film. It was a reptile, but no POCs. Just don't let her watch Romancing the Stone because then she will probably move out. I mean, come on, that's even worse. But I've seen Romancing the Stone. So, yes, have you seen it? But, okay. <laughs> Anyway, let's get into it. Anthony, since you chose the movie, tell us a little bit about the synopsis and why you chose this movie. Okay, so I'm going to do that in reverse order. Okay. Okay. Um, there were a plethora of movies I could have chosen that <laughs> probably would have been like safer choices, like The Matrix, Star Wars, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I mean, these are movies that are like in in my upper echelon of movies, but the one that I don't ever really talk about because I know people don't really know about it or haven't seen it is Battle Beyond the Stars. Mm -hmm. And it is a gem of a film. I mean, it has has some problems, um, but when you're young... And, and, you know, you're watching TV and like Mike said, it, it was on, you know, a lot. And like you, I think my dad had watched it. And I think I watched it with him for the first time. Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's very entertaining. Um, if you know anything about Roger Corman, um, you know that you've probably seen some of the scenes and some of the other stuff in the, the other movies because he was cheap. This movie came out <laughs> after Star Wars. <laughs> um, and Roger Corman, before that, had produced some movies, and they were all low-budget films. And he got a $2 million budget for this one, which for him is a lot of fucking money. And most of that money went to pay George Papard and Robert Vaughn. <laughs> and John Saxon, probably. Yeah, and, and they didn't. he didn't even have enough money for the sci-fi places they the, not the the um special effects houses he went to he was like can you do this movie they're like how much you got mm-hmm. i got two million dollar budget but half of it is gone to robert robert saxon george papard and and, and um robert vaughn now nah, we can't Brian, do it. Chuck, Terry, Chuck. go ahead sorry well yeah and long story short he did what George Lucas did. He's like, fuck it. I'll just make my own science fiction special effects house and we'll do it that way. Um, the Speaking of the cast, there's so many people, you know, that we know and love that come out of this movie, like Sybil Danning, George Wapard, John Saxon, Richard Thomas from the Waltons, Robert Vaughn, um, Julia Duffy, is in there. It's like her first movie. Kathy Griffin is an extra in the background. Wait, what? Yes, yeah. Kathy, Kathy Griffin is I an extra. I missed that. You, you, if you're Everybody blinking, missed, I missed it too. Everybody's <laughs> in this movie. It's awesome. Yeah. Earl Bowen. Yes. Earl Bowen, yes, Earl Bowen is in it. Yeah, like, good character actor. Um, behind the scenes, you had uh, Roger Corman, of course. Bill Paxton was actually a painter and carpenter on the set. Really? He was hired by his good friend, James Cameron, who was also on this. Now, it's, James Cameron is very interesting because he started out as building the models. And one model in particular he's famous for is the ship, the Corsair ah! Nail. 
<laughs> and he was like, oh, wait, Nil? Nil is the AI on the ship, and it's a female. And he's like, oh. You mean the ovary well, ship? Well, not just that, but the ship has boobs. Those aren't ovaries. <laughs> the ship has boobs. <laughs> That ship has boobs. The ship has if, boobs. Ship I mean, body. I understand it, but if you look at the ship when it's flying like front, I was like, it's it's a giant ovary. And and if you go to the internet and pull up a photo of yes. ovaries, the, like yeah. the little yeah. drawing that they usually yeah. put yeah. in the science books, it looks exactly like that fucking ship. Yeah, but that, his intention was boobs. to give it boobs <laughs> in the front. Boobs. And it has boobs. And they liked it. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll go with that. So he was a model builder. Um, he also, they had the person who was supposed to do the miniature photography for some of their scenes. Uh, that person quit. And he was like, I can do it, even though he had never done it before. <laughs> so he joined the special effects team. And and then the art director quit. And they came and like, do you want to be the art director? He's like, sure, I'll be the art director. <laughs> so he went from building the models to the art director for the film. But that also led him to, you know, Terminator, Alien, all that stuff that came later. He found some really good relationships. Um, you mentioned Earl Bowen. He had him in, in Terminator. In Terminator 2, he shows up. I mean, it, the, the movie, to me, I think, is, is just a gem. I mean, it does have some problems, but it's a gem. <laughs> and it had the unlikely circumstance. <laughs> When Star Wars came out in 1977, it was huge. I mean, there's no, it was huge. So everybody, all the studios, all the writers, all the directors, they all wanted their Star Wars. This was Roger Corman's attempt at cashing in on that whole movement, as you would, as you might say. The story is based on um, Akira Kurosawa's. Um, Shishinin no Samurai, which is basically Magnificent Seven. Okay. So it's a Magnificent Seven story, is what it is. Um, and they're called Akirans. And yes, no, Akira. Akira. So the planet Akira. is Akir, and the people from the planet are Akira, mm -hmm. which is in honor of him. So um, John Saxon is, was it John Saxon? Yeah, yes. John Saxon was Sador who leads the Malmori, which is a race of mutants. And John Saxon has this big ship that has this cannon, which will remind you of like the Death Star that could just blow planets up. And so he's going around threatening planets to conquer them. He comes to Akir and he threatens them and gives them seven uh, cycles or raisings of their red giant sun, which I'm not going to get into the science of a planet orbiting a red giant. Uh, that would be like Kryptonians, but whatever. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we, there's that. And he threatens him. He's like, I'm going to come back basically in seven days and I'm going to either you join me or I'm going to wipe you out. So this farm boy, <laughs> yeah. this farm boy, uh, J Richard Thomas, who's Shad, not Chad, but Shad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He is given a task by Zed the Corsair because they are, of course, a peaceful people, the Varda. They follow the Varda, which has these rules I haven't still quite worked out because I swear it changes every time I watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> wait, was that the first rule or was that the second rule? Oh, wait, was that the third yeah. rule or the first rule? 
Let me tell you, every time they mentioned the Varda, I was like, just shut up about the Varda because y'all don't even know what the Varda is. Even at the end of the movie, when Nell, the uh, the spaceship gets her memory jam, she was like, wait, was that the first rule or was that the second rule? I'm like, we don't know. We haven't known the whole movie. And, and so since they're non-violent people, they don't have weapons, but they have this ship, which, you know, is a Corsair, which is pretty heavily armored. But, you know, who knows what happened to their race. So he's given a quest. You know, I like quests. He's given a quest to go and um, get some help to help him, you know, defend themselves against the invasion by Sador and the Maomori mutants. Or whatever and so he goes on this adventure this quest and he comes across with people and he puts together a ragtag group of mercenaries quote unquote <laughs> uh one being george papard who is the cowboy who we assume is from earth he says that's b.a baracus he's from earth that's b.a baracus no space. hannibal that's all i know that's I mean, hannibal. Yeah, yeah yeah hannibal. yeah hannibal. Hannibal. hannibal yeah hannibal. i was like oh um, god and unfortunately, his introduction, we introduced with him with a side view of his ship. And there's a Confederate flag, which, in my defense, I don't remember ever seeing a Confederate flag. It's there. I it's don't. The biggest day. But it's there. And, <laughs> and you never see it again. So that I knew I was like, Hanukkah is going to But you it. didn't have to see it because every time he opened his mouth, you knew what demographic he was <laughs> representing. He was yeah. a good old Southern white boy. I mean, he wasn't. Yeah. I think Mike yeah. made the comment before we started recording. He was like, well, at least he wasn't racist. I was like, there really wasn't anything to be racist against. You had white people and you had aliens. And that was pretty much it. And he was OK but, with the aliens. He was OK with everybody. <laughs> anyway, doesn't look white. But he was like, cool because he, he had the coolest utility belt which <laughs> with Facts. Batman would have been envious of. My husband I, actually looked it up. He's like, I want A one. utility belt with an ice maker. With I an ice that. maker. With an ice maker. My daughter yeah. looked like, what the f- Do you man. want it on the rocks or do you want it neat? He was ready. He was ready for every That's circumstance. Yo, yo. It has scotch in it. I'm like, yes, sir. And I like your- no, the point, at one point, when it, and it gets down to the nitty gritty and he just does straight, you know, scotch. She goes, you forgot the ice and soda. He goes, no, I didn't. I was like, oh yeah, now's the party. Yeah. That utility belt. Oh my gosh, everything. Oh yeah. my God. Um, I was like, then- wait, I, when he was sitting there pouring it, I was like, okay, he is actually pouring alcohol. Then I hear clink, clink. I was like, wait a minute. You mean to tell me it's a ice maker belt? <laughs> Like, so. where does that come from? I'm almost scared to, like, where does the water come from that you make the ice with? I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried. It's, it's, it's like, it's like the, um, the suits they have in Dune. It takes his body moisture, it filters it, and it puts it in, in the ice maker. Alcohol sterilizes it. It's so filtered it's and it's in alcohol. What are you worried about? It's fine. It's it fine. just gets scotch gold. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> But his first, the first part of his quest he's given um, Shad is he has to go to find Dr. Hephaestus, which um, Zed tells him is an, is an armor. He can give him weapons that he needs and point him in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm ready for this part. <laughs> so he goes to Dr. Hephaestus' station. He gets basically uh, captured and Dr. Hephaestus wants him to stay and make babies with his daughter. Prepare the conjugal. What did you say? Prepare the conjugal chamber. 
I lost. I had to leave the room. I'm sorry. I did. I was laughing so hard. I had to leave the room. First of all, let's talk about the fact that Dr. Hephaestus has, um, I don't know if we want to say transitioned or I don't know what happened to his human body. Now he's Solid. just a he's just a brain. He's a now dog. he's just a, a an android with his human head and apparently still his his brain functions and his knowledge and everything. His daughter has only been surrounded by androids her whole life. Like she doesn't know about the other planets. She doesn't know about human, you know, human interactions. It's very weird. And then when Shad goes to talk to him about why he's there, you know, he's he's trying to get people to help defend his planet from. And, and the dude is like, yeah, no, I, I know what you're here for, but I could offer you something so much better. This this station was built for a lot of people and it's very lonely here. So I want you to stay here and reproduce with my daughter. And yeah, you'll be happy. And I was just sitting there like, oh, we're going here today. Okay, we're going to go here. So you're yeah, just offering but- up your daughter. <laughs> who again has never encountered another human being in her life except for her father. That also makes me question, okay, where's her mother? Because she says specifically, she's never met another human being except for her father. Where's her mother? Then Um, you're going to just put her in the conjugal chamber chamber with this guy she has never she's only met she's only known for like five minutes and they're supposed to just reproduce and this is supposed to be okay i was like okay so playing devil's advocate uh how many how many human males do you think she they encounter at that station on a regular basis she said she's never seen another human being exactly and her father is probably like oh god i'm, I'm he's, like, he's like all right i don't care first guy i see i don't care what he looks like you know you having babies with him because we gotta get this popping because you're not getting any younger i'm not saying it's right and shout out shout out oh shout out to the robots for doing like picture perfect like robot like break dancing moves like like some of those dudes were killing it like yeah they're like boop, boop. i was like okay shit and shout out to Richard Thomas and um, Shad for being in one of the precursors to a sex chair with like all the bound, with, like all the handcuffs and like neck cuffs and stuff. Like, I guess he was going to make about, sure that he wasn't going anywhere. Uh-uh. How about shout out to Richard Thomas's character, Shad, for being like, um, no, this is not what we're going to do. You are not going to kidnap me and force me to mate with her just because you're lonely. Absolutely not. And and give him credit for trying to get her to come with him. He's mm-hmm. telling her this wonderful yeah, story and whatnot. And he's like touching her face. He's literally trying to seduce her and be like, you can come with me. And he's like, I don't know. He's like, okay, well, bye. You come <laughs> with me, baby. And she and what does she do? She comes anyway in her own ship. So he didn't even tell her daddy bye. No. So that's actually the first, right there. <laughs> yeah, but you know okay. where Shaz's priorities are, because what was the first thing he said to her? No weapons. Right. Like, really? <laughs> no weapons. Look, the way that Shad in general reacted to women in this movie was hysterical. We'll get to the Valkyrie later. <laughs> but he basically 
Rams a game on this girl. And she's sitting there going, huh, you know what? I think I might want some of that. Next thing you know, she's on the ship. Okay, so we'll, we'll consider her his first recruit. And then, um, then he's directed to a planet, I guess, similar to Moss Isley with the, you know, scum of the earth, the villainous mercenaries all gathered there. He gets there and there's nobody there. They're all gone. The only person there is Robert Vaughn, who plays Gelt. Gelt is surrounded by all this money and wealth. And he's like, yeah, I can't spend it because I'm basically a wanted man everywhere. No, no, no. You are skipping ahead. No, we are not doing this. We are not skipping ahead. So first of all, Shad has to go underground because that's apparently where all of the people of the planet have have retreated to because there's like a lot of turbulence and lightning and storms on the surface. So he gets down there. He approaches this, this kind of console that has like all these buttons and neon lights and he starts pushing buttons. First of all, who starts just pushing buttons on a machine that you don't know what it does on a planet that you're not sure about? Okay, so he starts pushing the buttons and the neon lights start lighting up and it lights in different, uh, in two like foreign uh, languages. Mm-hmm. And then at the top, it's, what did it say? It, it, drug, it dis- drug dispenser or something. Yeah, it, it, it basically dispense oh it was like dial dial for drugs or dial for drugs dial a drug or something like that and he's sitting there looking at it and he presses some buttons and then he's about to leave and the thing disperses some pills he picks it up and he's about to put the pill in his mouth and i'm like stupid don't do that you don't know what those pills do you don't know what kind of effect they're going to have on you your your human or your akir body so right before he, you know, puts it in his mouth, he sits it down. He goes to the next console, does the same thing, presses some buttons. And this one is like dial a date. So then he it, it, it does this thing where it starts showing you um, not your pictures, different but options. Yes, your, your different, different options for a date. So you've got these women who are like, scantily clad and they're in these weird supposedly sexy positions and then when he actually makes a choice for one it opens up and she's sitting there and she's like I don't even know what to describe she it's like she's molded she's old she's got cobwebs like she hasn't been used and he's still sitting there looking like these women are I was like this is so fucking problematic like why? I mean, you know, I mean they they've been there a while. It's like you know they haven't had a chance to like switch out their inventory. I guess. I mean, you know, she just you know. <sighs> the fact that there's inventory like that at all. It was just, I was like, oh, I've seen this in in various other movies. You know, you always have the the scenes where people go into the strip into the strip halls. And then, um, you know, there's the little back room where you can stick a quarter and you get to like view. that's what it reminded me of and i was just like it's 1980 hanako is 1980 is 1980 this was stuff that they put in movies in 1980 but it was just it was so weird and then of course while he's standing there he gets shot at by guilt and now you can go into your description of guilt because you were not about to skip all of that (laughs) okay so uh, Gilt is a mercenary who is wanted, you know, he's a, he has a bounty on every known planet 
So um, he has all this money. He can't spend it, all this wealth. And Shad say, well, I'm sorry. I'm not going to waste your time. I don't, we don't have any money. All we have is, you know, our culture. We're, we're rich in culture. He's like, you know what? I'll take that. A meal and a place to hide. No, what did he say before that? He said, I eat seven serpents a week. Yeah, yeah that, that's a pretty sad life. He's living down there, you know, with, with the lowest life forms. And it's just him by himself with all the money and no place to spend it. He looked yeah, healthy for someone who was barely eating, though. Seven serpents a week. And he's like, I'm very good at what I do. <laughs> so, you know, he's like, okay, well, there we go. We got another one. Mm-hmm. Now, the interesting thing about Robert Vaughn and Gelt is he was in The Magnificent Seven playing basically the same character. <laughs> <laughs> and and if you've ever seen The Magnificent Seven, not the recent one, but but the one with Robert Vaughn in it, you would hear a lot of the lines that Gilt has are, are very similar to the lines he has as I think Lee was his name. Either yeah, I think it was Lee. Mm. In the Magnificent he basically was repeating the same character <laughs> and dialogue that he had. Roger Corman is cheap. You know, it is what it is. And and it worked. And Robert Vaughn got paid twice for the same movie, basically. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and you, who are you gonna tell Robert Vaughn? You can't use those lines. It's just it, really, you're going to tell Robert Vaughn not, not to play the same character he just played? No. No, you're, no. you're not going to do that. You're going to let him do what he wants to do. Because at the time, Robert Vaughn was a pretty big deal. So I feel like we missed something. Like, somebody else came before him. Did he um, meet Cowboy Joseph first? Was before him. Cowboy was uh, before him. Okay, so we yeah, got we, Cowboy. Yeah, we did Cowboy. We did him. Um, I don't think he met the Nesters yet. Now Earl Bowen was one of the nesters. Oh yeah, uh, and, yeah, and the and the nesters, yeah. The the nesters, which were always for some reason my favorite, I guess because their ship was just so different. <laughs> so the nesters beam him aboard. He come he comes across the nesters. They they beam him aboard, and the nesters are basically a race of clones. There is they say there is one nester. It is they're basically hive mind. They're the Borg. Let's just let's call it what it is. Mm-hmm. But they're not assimilating anyone. They're just out sampling, trying to live life, and, and they're only interested in adventures. So they, they, they just want to be a part of it so they can experience battle and life because they said that they're afraid they're going to be bored to death. <laughs> I love how they say they only need four to carry a ship. And he's like, why? Well, why are there five? He's like, well, we always carry a spare. Like, he's a tire it was just awesome I'm sorry it was when that scene came on Mark says to me remind you of anything and he's pointing at like like a box set of Star Trek of of TOS he goes remind you of anything I'm like yes I know this is Star Trek I understand that and he's like okay let's go back to the movie I mean when I say that this man was hyped to watch this movie even though he's seen it like 19 times before he was literally as they were speaking, mouthing lines, okay? Their makeup and that fake-ass-looking eye on their head, oh, that distracted oh. me so bad. You can thank James Cameron oh, for that. Oh, exactly, yeah. Way to go, James. It was, it was so, awesome. so bad. It was so bad. They didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a lot of money. 
You could, have got, you could have gotten to... a kindergartner to color in their eye and cut it out and place it on their head and it would have looked better than I, I feel like that was the last the little the hood scene. thing with your face, the, oh, face yeah. the makeup, right? Right around here. Yeah. I think the eye was the last minute addition. I, I don't think I don't think they planned for that. But I, I'm just look the, the, as as the movie progressed, right? And they went to the next and the next, and it's like they kept getting weirder and free. <laughs> and as as they met each people that were gonna help them, I'm like Oh, this is good. I almost burnt breakfast because they kept going to different people going, oh, I want to see this. Oh, I mean, I was transfixed. Well, the 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 is the problem is Roger Corman is not really big on care. He didn't direct this, but I'm sure he was there every day. He's not big on on character development. And he there's always been people talking about him ripping out pages of scripts because he just we don't have the time for this. And I felt a lot of that in this movie because the characters have no development they are who they are this is what they are and we move on you know we don't get a lot of backstory or background or any development the movie's an hour and 35 hour, hour and 40 41 minutes. <laughs> hour and 41 minutes yeah not including the credits you know <laughs> or including the credits but yeah, um, credits weren't that long. I mean, they weren't that long either. So they were doing good. Most of the special effects people were like, uh, though, you ain't got to put us in the credits, man. We're good. You ain't got to do all that. You know, <laughs> yeah, James I'm could only do so you. much by himself. I mean, he really could. <laughs> so we get the nesters and, and they join. Oh, before that, though, I, I always forget her name, but he told her, Shad told her to meet meet him back at a cure. Like, yeah, why didn't you just take her with you? I keep wanting to say Nutella. That's why I don't say her name. <laughs> Nanelia. Well, and you that's know, been for years. You're saying Nutella. Uh, so I was just thinking, okay, but we gotta go, we gotta talk about the zyme, the protein cloud of different colors <laughs> that tried to uh that tried to consume Nanelia's ship. And then she's rescued by Cayman and the the kelvins and that whole weird <laughs> like weird dynamic yeah. It, yeah so so he told her shad told her to meet him you know and she had to go through the lambda sector mm-hmm. and as she's going through the lambda sector her defenseless ship she gets attacked by a cloud of something <laughs> And she gets rescued by Cayman of the Lambda Sector, who's this reptilian-looking dude. Um, he brings her on his ship. He bounds her. <laughs> I'm sorry, because there there was this thing where where uh, there was a viewfinder pack of this, where you know the viewfinder <laughs> thing. Yeah. And, oh my god. In the oh marketing materials, and There's one of them was an image oh of of, okay. of a bondage yeah. image of her with with Cayman, which is very interesting. Oh, that's I mean, her, and, her and not um, Sybil Danny? I mean, that seems no. like something more Sybil no. would be. Um... Yeah, but no. <clears throat> no. So <laughs> my question was, okay, the re- he brought her onto the ship because while she was, while her ship was being consumed by the Zyme, which is the colorful cloud protein monster, whatever it is, um, he shoots it and she gets she gets knocked out. So he well, she was knocked her. out. She was knocked out while it was attacking. 
Yeah. So, but but she out. was still she was still unconscious when she was on the ship because we see her and she's she's bound and she's hanging from the ceiling. Now my my daughter looked and she said, "Okay, one, if she's unconscious, how is she holding on to the to the to the <laughs> beam above her?" And then two, usually if you're in, and those of you who are just listening, you cannot see what I'm doing, but I'm holding my hands above me like I'm I'm being bound from above. Usually, if you're unconscious. Your head is going to be dangling. Her head was just straight up and she was just sitting there. And then she wakes up and she's like, oh, what's good? I was like. Details, details, details. details. You don't need, need all that. Yeah. You're paying attention <laughs> to the wrong thing. You're, you're, you're looking at the wrong thing. Look at those <laughs> stuff. Don't look at that. Okay, so let's talk about these Kelvins then. These little the creatures Kelvin. who apparently communicate with heat. Oh, God. Yes, the Kelvins later... We learned that they do not have ears for an important scene. Michaela um, was they like, do communicate how in, do they hear? Degrees of heat. So I how do they hear? Because they were sitting there talking no to idea. them and, I, and giving them instructions. I, I think they, they were, were they, they were talking again. Details again. <laughs> no, the 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 nester are telepathic. I don't think I don't know if they well, but I would assume maybe the Kelvins are telepathic, but. It's probably not since they communicate in temperature. So I guess they gauge the, <laughs> they read the room. You know, that's how they communicate. No way. <laughs> no. So, uh, but the Kelvins are appropriately named Kelvin because of the Kelvin scale, because of the heat thing, which naming conventions really, you know, <laughs> Nestor, <laughs> N- Nutella. Shad. Her name mm. is not Nutella's name. <laughs> and their names were, I know you wrote this down. Um, I know you wrote their names down, Mike. Thorum and um, I can't remember the other one's name, but they're like Jewish gods or Jewish mythological things. It's like Gelt's name is Jewish for gold, which mm. is, oh my God. is I missed that. Okay. I, 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 I don't know who on set was doing that. <laughs> John Sales wrote the script. Um, was a screenwriter and John Sells, you know, has written a ton of really good things. Um, about <laughs> the brother from another Look, planet, everybody's got to start somewhere. Everybody's brother start brother somewhere. from another planet, he wrote Classic. that. The Howling, Eight Men Out, just to name a few. So, I'm, I'm sure at the time he was, you know, just starting out trying to get it right. Okay, so. <laughs> Anyway, so so she joined. So um, Cayman is when he finds out what they're doing. Cayman is like, okay, well, he knows who Sador is. Sador wiped out his people, and he's like supposed to be the last one of his kind left. So of course, he and the Kelvins are going to join because he wants his revenge. You forgot his um, his Hercules looking uh, bodyguard or what? Somebody he oh. had. Yeah, whoever that was. I forgot his You only name. see him in like a couple of scenes. I think the, the next time you really see him, he's throwing a spear at one the of the spear. enemies. But I yeah. was like, yeah. look. He has, I he has, have the poster up here behind me on, on the LCD screen. He's actually on the poster with his spear. And with the rest of the cast, I'm like, you, you weren't really that important. He didn't but, even have a line. He, he, didn't say, he didn't even open his mouth. Look, the way he introduced... I'm, I'm making a funny here. The way he introduced him, that was his boo. He was like, oh, yeah, that's guilt. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, it's just it's the way it seemed like. He was like, yeah, that's my boyfriend. I mean, seriously. 
that it was so abrupt and so fast. And like you said, he shows up like one other time. I, I'm yeah. sorry. And that's I, it. And that's it. <laughs> okay, so we gotta talk about we gotta talk about Saint Xman now. So oh now, God. now, now, uh, Shad is you know flying around and. He gets attacked by this little bumblebee type ship that's flying around. <laughs> and, you know, Nell is like, oh, they just want to play. He's like, I don't have time for this. And we're introduced to a Valkyrie, Saint X-Men, played by <laughs> the beautiful Sybil Danning. Yep. The Sybil Danning of, Skin- of Skinamax fame. Of the many, many things that you know I've watched in my youth. I was gonna say you sound very excited about that, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) I was I I saw her, I was like, oh shit, I remember her. Like similarly, like I mean, it's like Skinamax was a very important part of my, you know, in middle and high school years. Like most most guys. Come on now. Stop, stop looking at me like that. And you know, you know, good dog on well, you watch Skinamax too. You you are not doing that. I grew up in the country, you only had three channels. I don't know what yeah, you're talking whatever. about. Whatever. No, it's not, yeah. Anthony yeah, was I, probably I one of those people. You know how you have the um back then yeah, the, the the, it was on, like yeah. the That's fuzzy screen, but if you turn the knob just the right way, you could kind of clear the clear the image up no, just a little. No, I had antenna. I only had three. No, see, that, that's why that's why I didn't see you can, we you didn't can have tell cable. Did that because they all I have glass. I didn't now have cable. I didn't have cable till I was graduating high school. Oh my. <laughs> I know I never spent any weekends at my cousin Trail's house <laughs> watching anything like what you're talking about. Oh, that and never then he happened. Called him out. <laughs> oh God! He called him out. <sighs> but okay, so when we're introduced anyway, to her, Valkyrie, first of all, um, Saint Xman. Why does she look like she had like her headpiece was like styrofoam and glitters? It looked like something that was done in a second grade art classroom. Heavy Metal Magazine. James Cameron. That was straight out of Heavy Metal Magazine. They didn't have Maybe. money. They didn't have money to do all the things that you're asking about. I mean, look at the, I mean, it's like he can't, you can't you can't have a really gorgeous crown when everything else is made of star styrofoam cardboard and it said duct tape. I mean, well, how's that going to look? I I I'm more concerned the fact that when we first meet her, she's sort of what would be the word for elevated sort of. <laughs> Like she's laying on like a chair. She's reclined. Why? Why, it's, it's why is her like... ship? Why is her ship's <laughs> cockpit designed that way for her to be laying down? <laughs> right there. Uh, but you know that that's problematic mm. in and of itself. However, I, saw, her, I, just, I was surprised, bro. Hanako. You didn't say her headpiece was made up of more material than her costume. Well, her you know, I was costume. getting to that because, I, and and I don't have a problem with her costume because okay, if that's if that's what your battle gear is that's fine the problem i had with her costume was the way that it was designed because there were certain parts of okay of course so her costume is like this real short skimpy there's like cut out pieces and i don't have a problem with that the problem that i had was the was the way that it was designed it was weird because obviously they have a lot of her cleavage out they have, you know, cutouts showing parts of her boobs, but the way one side was cut, it's like it exposed the middle part of her breast and covered the bottom, so it looks like she has no nipple. It was just so <laughs> weird. 
I think they were trying to hide. They were trying to make sure they didn't show more than what they were supposed to. Okay, but the way that the I I guess because like I said, the way that the the part of the costume there that was exposed, it would have gone right across where her nipple was supposed to be, but where they had it covered, it was either way up something. No, this is the second. Oh, you're in the second costume. Well, I can't. I I have no comment on the second costume. (laughs) Well, that costume was. I'm surprised the costume was able to stay on her the way that it did. I Uh, mean, the other one was 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 basically two hands holding her up. So it's like you know, it just had like the kung fu grip on her on her boobs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I see what you're saying. The um, the 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 second one was like straps. Mm-hmm. But, the, but they used the, the the staple of the late 70s, 80s, and they used the black spandex. I mean, don't forget, they had bolts and bolts of that material back then. And like I said, I don't have a problem with the actual way the costume looked. I mean, because, I mean, you think about the way that they design costumes for women, like, okay, women are going into battle, but, you know, the men have, have all the armor and stuff, but the women are supposed to be exposed and scantily clad, and this is how they're supposed to fight. Okay, it's the 80s. I, again, I understand that's how they used to design, but it was just the, it's like the strategic parts of the costume that were there. They didn't make any sense from a female standpoint. You're like, you know? wait, it's covering a spot where you think her nipple is, but her nipple anatomically would not be there. Okay, right? see that, that, I guess that would be the, yeah. the thing. It's like, That's it's not where ours are, but it's like it was covering her under boob and her top boob and it was exposed in the middle. It was just really weird, a weird design. And I okay. was just like... But but can we talk about how I love he, how this how, turned into an anatomy class, I'm like discussing <laughs> right. So we're we're gonna move on from there. Um <laughs> can we because I know Hanako really wants to talk about how Shad addressed Valkyrie in such a dismissive and misogynistic way. Like, we don't need you. You you're small, you can't fight. I mean, <laughs> why are you why are you even bothering me? Okay, so yes, that was a problem, but at the same time, I will say. I couldn't blame him because she came into this playing a fucking game. This dude is trying to go save his people and you want to play hide and go seek in space. We ain't got time for that. And then the way that she, I don't know, something about something about her character, the way her character is written, it's like she's supposed to be this, you know, from this proud race of warriors, but they made her sound like a ditz. You know what I'm saying? It it was just it was one of those weird things. Like she's supposed to be all powerful, but she sounds like she doesn't really have much going on in her head. Like like her conversation with Nutella. Oh God, the conversation about <laughs> sex. When I tell you, Mania. when she was describing that, Michaela was turned. To, she was turned to the back of the couch on her phone, and she started hearing the description. She was like, "Oh my God! Oh my God!" what i said she's talking about sex not battle and then she says sex and i was like both of us were like oh really really if she said that because you know there are some people that were watching and not know that she was talking about sex so they just had to make sure that they knew she was talking about sex it was so cringeworthy if you were watching that and did not know she was talking about sex then you probably don't need to be watching that but you say i will rearrange his whatever and do this and that like wow i started to write it down so that i could like you know 
read what it said and I was like I cannot let that come out of my mouth it's just it's so poor oh my goodness it was so bad and then she throws in the don't worry I'll teach you or whatever stuff and I'm going really I mean first of all they made me sort of like a like a very dumbed down sexed up uh fembot from a six million dollar man for one thing um the other thing is that I think that when they have characters in these movies like this, they they want to show women to be warriors, but at that time that these films were made, they still couldn't get over the sexual component of the character, so they made them like that. I mean, if you look at any movie from this time, none of the women were badass. I mean, you didn't get badass women until, like, Terminator. I mean, really. I mean, this was probably the best you were going to get, especially with the Roger Corman film. Right. I mean, Princess Leia was pretty badass. Princess Leia, but, but that yeah. was the exception versus the rule. Yeah, and but and, and also, you're not that far away as far as her sex being sexualized. You're not that far away from Captain Kirk and Green Alien Lady. This is true. I digress. This is true. Um, and, and plus, it's like I mean, Sybil Danning is just basically just talking about what she knows. It's like, yeah, you know, I, I do, I do. The 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 funny thing though. And it's not even funny, but like at the end of the conversation when she says, stick with me, you'll get an education. I'm like, what does she really, what does she mean by that? <laughs> no, the other funny, the other funny uh, line that came um, as they were going out into battle and Shad and Anelia were in the uh, ship together. She was asking him about um, teaching, you know, will you show me the ropes? You know, asking basically asking him <laughs> to teach her about sex, and she says, um, sh- "I think she says something about is it just the two species or two genders or something?" He was like, "Man and woman, <laughs> yes." And she says, "Well, on such and such planet, it's th- it, it takes three. Michaela and I fell out laughing. She was like, "See, it's not so." <laughs> that there's more than two genders oh my god we were cracking up laughing yeah. at that because she was like yeah. oh. but then after that she says your torque wrench has slipped this groove <laughs> he's like but, Wait, she, uh. but she wasn't even t- because they were kissing and then she says this all of a sudden he's just like huh and she's talking about like an actual piece of machinery right. so i was like okay i guess the kiss wasn't all that great for her but but the sexual innuendo though your torque wrench has slipped this it was very heavy in this film okay let me let me go to another part that i that i have a problem with on on two fronts so while shad is out gathering these mercenaries to come and back uh to come and protect this planet there are two of the um what was sador's group called again maomori there there were two maomori in a ship oh that was supposed God. to be watching the planet. <laughs> you know exactly where I'm about to go. <laughs> I was gonna so get while they're way. watching the planet, there is a ceremony taking place down on the ground, a bonding ceremony so that these two people can procreate, okay? They're looking at this ceremony. They're like, ooh, women, let's go get some. We wanna have, you know, we wanna have some fun too or whatever. So they go to the planet, they beam up Shad's sister. And later on, when they're in the thick of battle, one of them, um, one of them, the, the pilot, is telling the other one to come 
help him. He's like, I'm kind of busy right now. So when he finally comes up front, he's putting his clothes together, obviously, you know, giving us the impression that he's back there having his way with Shad's sister. Shad's sister comes up to the front and she's disheveled. Her clothes are torn and she starts messing with the console so that they can't, you know, control anything. And Gelt blows up the ship. Okay. Not knowing that Shad's sister is on it. But here's the thing that really gets me aside from the fact that they just kidnapped this woman was just having their way with her, whatever. Nobody ever tells Shad that his sister was kidnapped and he doesn't realize that she has been killed. They never mention her not once. Once Shad gets back to the planet. I, I think that page was ripped out of the script that day. Oh. Because I was like, I said, is nobody going to tell Shad that the reason why they're scared to come and greet these new people is because the, his sister was abducted and she's gone and they don't not one word. He doesn't even ask about his sister when he comes back. Doesn't ask about her. I don't remember. I don't remember them saying that was for his sister. But at the very at the very beginning, when they were having their little council around the table, and Shad volunteers to go look for the mercenaries, and Zed says something to him about "You're too young, boy," and she says, "My brother is the only one who can fly Zed's ship." Yeah, that's true. That's true. I I think that's. I think that page got ripped. The whole scene was sort of unnecessary because Gil was going to blow the ship up anyway. So we already knew the Maori were terrible people. You didn't really have to reiterate that point, right? But yeah, it is what it is. Right. The the overall sexualization. You you take the the character and you you obviously you make it obvious that her character is being sexually assaulted. Yeah. And then you kill her off, and nobody ever says anything about her for the rest of the movie. Yeah, the the sexualization of women and objectification of women in in this movie is problematic. But again, it's nineteen eighty. Mm-hmm. The the we we are more aware and conscious of that that type of thing. Yeah, even though it still goes on a little bit now, um, but this movie <laughs> is. D- despite its faults and, and having that that problem it I, I find it still has some value it i mean it was it was a it was a fun movie but it was just again me not having watched it back then it wasn't like it didn't have a nostalgic feel for me so all i could do is just look at it and laugh like oh my god movies have come so far <laughs> since mm-hmm. 1980s yeah. but it, it was a fun movie, but I mean, the problematic parts I knew were going to be p- problematic because like you said, it was filmed in the 1980s and a lot of the um, attitudes about how they treated women in, in film back then were, they simply would not be acceptable today, but still yeah. it's like looking at it, it's, you see just how bad it was and it's just kind of like, oh, so cringeworthy. Right. Like speaking of George Papard, it's just like Breakfast at Tiffany's. Like Breakfast at Tiffany's is a great movie, but it's it has so many problems, hugely problematic scenes with Mickey Rooney pretending to be being Asian gentleman and relying on a heavy, heavy, like like Asian accent mm-hmm. that was like borderline. It was, it was borderline like a like a hate. It was his role is basically a hate crime. Mm-hmm. Like 
it was just terrible. Yeah. But it's but but I mean, but it's like the rest of the movie like had great value. Like RJ Hepburn's performance was awesome. George Papard was outstanding in that movie. But it's like they're like problematic problematic themes in it, and it's just like you know. You like you said, it just shows how far movies have come. Like as far as like not showing like gar like people in garbage roles like that. Mm-hmm. Did we? Why do I feel like we forgot somebody that was part of the mercenary team? Did we get the lizard them? guy? The lizard guy. No, we, no, we, we talked about Cayman. We got Valkyrie. We got Cayman. We got the two Kelvins. We got the Nesters. Nester. We got Cowboy. Okay, I guess we did. I guess we did. And everybody. Gaul. Yeah, that's it. And and the Nelia. Yes, um, her name is Nelia. I have a okay. See, I have a problem too. I have I have a problem with the whole the whole enemy portion of this movie. Like, I have a problem with with um, wasn't it John Saxton's character? Saying that we're gonna take over your world and destroy everything. We'll be back in seven days. Then he's just like to prove his like might, he goes and obliterates he obliterates another planet, doesn't he? Like in metal the or in metal. Yes, but he yes. he did that because he sent an emissary to that planet and they sent the emissary back in ashes. So that's why he destroyed that planet. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like yeah, and it's like he was like you're like, you know what? I'll be back in seven days. Then I'm gonna destroy your planet. Like, who like why? It's like, and then he only had 25 ships and he's he's over here taking taking over everything. He well, because he has a star ships. destroyer. He he not sorry, he has a death star. He can blow up your whole planet. The he's Death just, Star he's had bully. hundreds of TIE fighters on that. Ship. Yeah, it was a moon. Hundreds. Yeah, he had 25 ships. Yeah. And he, he already lost one. He was a bully. He already, he already, he already lost one. He, and he, then it's he's like not, he can't conquer the whole galaxy. So he's basically like this guy who goes around and threatens planets to take all the resources. He's a gangster. He's not a conqueror or whatever. He's just really a gangster and a bully who wants to live forever. That's all. That's all he yeah. is. Here's the other thing. Um, Akir's. Um, I guess it was like their weapon system or their their alarm system. Why did the alarm go off? Like the alarm went off. They looked at the alarm and then all of a sudden this huge ass ship is just all over the planet, like completely covering them. I'm like, what kind of warning system is that? Like it was literally two seconds. (laughs) And then the whole ship was above the whole uh, <laughs> village, whatever you want to call it. I was like, they didn't get no warning. And then they're just standing there just looking at it like, what? Y'all? Yeah, it's basically like a smoke alarm when you wake up and there's already smoke in the room. It's like, you could have warned me. Like, yeah, that was funny as all get out. They were just like, and then, oh my God, that scene, everybody getting shot and falling down was the... <laughs> That second dude like, who fell a and then fell over into the hole and was kind of <laughs> oh no so over dramatic yeah it was, was hilarious, hilarious. Yeah. I'm like, oh Classic. my god the, the the yeah a lot of those scenes are are fun um where he takes the where Sador takes Nestor's arm and installs it on himself <laughs> but it's funny because he tell he yeah, asks the nest he catches a Nestor. And the Nestor is like, oh, we have, he captured one. We'll hear it. How did he, he capture him? Sees. I have no freaking clue. They, did, they yeah, said he volunteered. Yeah. 
Mm-mm, the nester volunteered to be, to captured, be captured. But how? But so that they can, so that they, never, they, I they never saw him it. get captured. They never showed it. I think their page got ripped oh. out of the script as well. So, <laughs> so, so he's he's like, how 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 are how are you with pain? And that's just like, <laughs> I'm not well with pain at all. Pain at all. At all. <laughs> he's, he's like, okay, this is my pain guy. He's going to get the information out of you. He, I'm like, he just told you he don't do well with pain. They cut his arm off and he dies. <laughs> Was it just oh. me? Or were those blades made of pink tissue paper? No, the paper. That was one hundred percent paper. They were one hundred percent made of paper. There's no way that was made Again, of anything solid. James that Cameron. Anything. He could only work with what he had. He did the best he could. That's why. That's why they had. To, that's why I had to go so fast. You could like develop a paper cut and cut your way through like the world's worst paper cut, just like. But you and know, then, of course, they start controlling the arm. Yeah, so so yeah, so Fedor has the doctor install Nestor's arm on him, and of course, the Nestors can kind of control each other. So they they were going to try to have him off himself with a knife, which is an interesting scene. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, like how did they know where his knife was? Well, they would like, and I'm surprised they have they they, they, they didn't have arm go like this. Like, wait here. No, here, remember no. they saw well, everything. They saw. Yeah, everything I was gonna Nestor's say they so saw they everything through they, the other Nestor's eyes. So, so they the know, other okay. Nestor would have seen it before it died. Yeah, but I guess that's why they keep a spare. <laughs> yeah, I guess exactly. Spare tire. <laughs> he just sacrificed the spare. <laughs> we'll be okay. Speaking of special effects, <laughs> For, the hold, other hold, thing. Why, why would you design a ship? That requires mm-hmm. four people to fly it. Why would you do that? Oh, the Tartarus. <laughs> Why would you do that? But anyway, I'm just saying it's called the Tartarus. I don't know. I, I to be honest, but I, it was fun. It, I, I, I always, yeah. I always, even now, like even today, watching it, I was sitting there on the edge of my seat. Are they going to be able to do it? Are they going to be able to do it? Yep. It's going to and it's like, help me, help me, cut it off, cut it off. I, I always get excited about that scene. It's one of I, my favorite scenes. I was so transfixed. Like I said, I almost burnt breakfast because I just kept watching. I kept getting sucked in. I kept watching. And it's like at the end, I was like, okay, okay, I got I gotta go do this. Or I'm gonna, yeah, I mean, you get sucked in that last half, and you're just like, oh, are they gonna do it? And then, you know, as each one of right. them does their heroic, you know, bid for the 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 movie, it's like Oh, this is good. Oh, this is real. Here's my thing. And I firmly believe this. If we had not had Star Wars in 77, I believe that this movie could have been a huge hit. I really believe that because it's actually a solid movie. That's at least my two cents. Yeah, I guess I could, I could see that. Also, um, shout out to one the pilot of one of the the Memories, um, the, the fighter pilots. He looked, he looked like Daft Punk like hitting an NPC player, like he was just like sitting there, he was like, <laughs> I, kept expect- I kept expecting to hear harder, better, faster, stronger. I was like, wait a minute, what the hell is he doing? Like, how do you fly a ship like that? And it's like, it's just like, um, what's the name, the Valkyrie like laying there. I'm wondering if the if Sybil Danning had it written in her script that she, when she was in her ship, that she had to breathe heavily and like have have heavy breaths and move her body like this while she was flying and doing all this other stuff just to like show that she was who she was. I was just like, because every time you saw her, she was just laying back, laying back, like, 
She looked really, really comfortable in her shit. That's all. I'm she was say. very comfortable. In her she was really comfortable. I was just confused. Like, why is she reclined <laughs> back like that? Like, like she's sitting there, and the whole time she's not really doing anything else up until the time right before she blows everything up, you know, within her vicinity, so that she can, you know, she sacrifices herself and goes out in this big, beautiful death, and she takes, I think, a couple of memorial ships with her, but. She's sitting there the whole time, kind of, it's almost like you see people, how they, um, how they end up flat against the back of their seat when the ships are going at warp speed, like they're going so fast, they just can't move. That's how she was the whole time in her ship. Well, you may have answered the question. They may have thought this through because her ship is built on speed and maybe being in that position is good for quick movements and whatnot i don't know oh, also okay. it's sybil danning laying down on her back <laughs> <laughs> okay I, I'll, I'll i'll take that um the other thing that was so funny to me as far as special effects go because okay some of the special effects in this film yeah i i know it was the 80s but oh my goodness like some of it was like really really bad they didn't have money. But I know. I they know. didn't have the money. He, he know, had to do it himself. James so Cameron was Kelvins, on his own. So when the Kelvins are destroyed, they're using their heat to destroy that sonic tank that's emitting the sonic frequencies that's causing everybody to, you know, have problems with their hearing. And they turn around and they emit the same heat towards some of the soldiers the little dots that was this <laughs> that was so bad it was awesome that was so bad it was awesome that, that was awesome i agree with Lauren. Awesome. it was awesome it was Look, i had to pause the tv i had to pause the tv because i had tears coming out of my eyes because i was laughing so hard like what the fuck is this what and then they yeah. fall down because they've expended all of their heat. Oh my goodness! And they took to, take them to a protein bath. Back to back to tank. <laughs> back to tank. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, I, that's what I Literally, that's what that's I got what making the list. That's what I got my phone. I start making lists. Okay, I, I called it. Go, old man dies a terrible death, or he dies of a heart attack. Check it. Next scene, there it was. I mean, it was so good. I mean, like I said, I got sucked in. And it kept getting worse and it kept getting cheesier and cheesier. And I'm going, oh, this is the greatest movie ever. When the Memori soldiers were shooting at the Akir people and, and the they, Akir people are jumping over oh, the laser. And they missed. One guy didn't even get hit by laser being killed over dead. I mean, come on. Hey, there's great. precedent. There's precedence for this. The stormtroopers never hit anything. I know. I yeah. know. But to see them jumping to to see them jumping to avoid the lasers, that was just funny. That was hysterical because the lasers weren't hitting anything anyway. No, they weren't. They weren't. Yeah. Even when they were fighting in space, like y'all should have hit that Valkyrie so many times, and her ship is just going like there's no evasive uh, maneuvers being used. And you guys can't hit. How the hell are you going around dominating planets if you can't even hit a single ship? Yeah. That, <laughs> I mean, 
there's precedent. There was two Star Wars movies that showed you that the the Empire, the evil people, cannot shoot straight. That is a trope in all science fiction. Oh my it just goodness. can't. Also, when they when they brought forth the sonic tank, like when you see the first guy fall down holding his ears, and it's like then you see blood gushing yes. out of his ears. And no one else had blood gushing out of his ears. Like George Shapiro was just like, "That's loud. Why is that so loud?" Like you see, he think everyone. It's like you have one guy with blood like pouring. He out was of his closer ears. to like, it. That's why. Of course, yes, mm-hmm. that's exactly. Oh, why. and let's talk about the green, the green quote unquote blood when cowboys. <laughs> I, I swear his hand was already covered with blood before he stabbed him. Right? I think, that's it, was. What, I think it was. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember this. Did they add this scene later? Because I don't remember <laughs> <No>. this part. <laughs> oh and then, oh, here's the other funny thing. So when they're on Sator's ship and he tells them to bring out the what was the what was the name of the big weapon? The what was it? The solar uh celestial. It was a stellar something. But anyway. When he's telling them to lower the shields and ready the weapon, the controls were those little um, were those little globe things that you used to get at the sharper image, and it's mm-hmm. like as you move your hand over in the light. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. <laughs> 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 1980s 1980s i just gotta remember i mean late I'm, 70s I, to be honest which because filming started probably in 78, right 79. right right so, so i'm i'm sitting here giving you a hard time anthony but the, the movie was fun but oh my goodness my michaela was looking and she said you tell mr liggins that you are a good friend <laughs> watching this and then she said wait she says this like one of his favorite movies because i would feel bad if i'm sitting here panning it and it's like one of his absolute favorites she said but it's just it's so bad but she doesn't she doesn't really care for like sci-fi in general so anything that takes place in space she just looks at it like okay i just i don't get it it's just not her it's not her genre but she was like you tell him you are a good friend for watching this so he can talk about it on the podcast. You are a good friend. You tell him I said. That's called the Stellar Converter. Stellar Converter. Yes, that. Um, uh, and then, of course, you, you have George Papard doing the, oh, I'm going to go self-sacrifice myself. He's like, you're pretty. Kisses her and then walks off. I'm like, I lost it. He goes, no, 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 no. What he does, he kisses her and he says, you pretty. Th-. You pretty and then he walks you. away. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it was so good and, and, and then and, <laughs> I'm sorry. the part where he's smoking and Shad says are you putting smoke into your body <laughs> he's like yep and let me tell you something it's not a good thing to do, not a good thing to do. Yeah. like the PN said I was cracking up but but what was so what was so bad it's 1980 so he actually really probably was smoking at the time all of them were probably smoking on sale. You didn't oh, see all the smoke in Robert's va- in um guilt ship, right? Yes. You did, yeah, he was smoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that, <laughs> he was, that was literally smoking in between takes. But but guilt at the, the next scene when guilt 
you know, says whatever, and he walks out, and Robert Vaughn sort of is in the middle of, like, the, the staging area, and he looks up, and he's got that I'm gonna be a hero look on his face. All he needed to do was put his hands on his hips and go, yes, I am a defender, and it would have been good. I no, mean, let me tell you what was the funny thing about Gelt's character. <laughs> when Gelt was dying at the end, and he started... <laughs> Thank you, yeah, we need to, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, all that... All that other talk about being stoic and being the cold killer, and then he he starts out, he's like, he ah! <laughs> because then, then he's when he mad because he, he's he dying on this planet. He goes like, he like he like puts his lips back together, like, okay, I'm good. Uh, and then when they were <laughs> getting ready to bury him, Michaela says, "Is he still breathing? I can see him." <laughs> Again, again, you're paying attention to the wrong thing. This is a little thing. You're no, paying attention the, to the wrong the thing. The thing she should have been paying attention to was when Shag said, go fix a meal. Oh, yeah. bury him with oh. it. And the guy looks at him like, what? What? That was our arrangement. So I'm going to get this man his meal. I don't know when he's going to eat it, but at least he can't say <laughs> hey. I reneged on my... <laughs> exactly. Hey, John Boy, John Boy was... John Boy was a real one for that. I gotta give him. I give his props for that. He he's a man of his word. You mean Shad to it? Shad, yeah, John Boy, Shad Boy, Shad John. Now I I am the one thing. Well, there's a lot of things, but the main thing that I was sort of upset about was how Zed went out. I thought that was like the lamest way for Zed the Corsair to be killed, Mm -hmm. considering he told us he was a warrior and whatnot. But it's like, is he supposed to be blind? Yes. Or not? I know, right? I'm just saying, I there yes. were times when yeah. you're like, you ain't blind, dude. Stop playing. He was blind. Because yeah, I wondered that at the beginning. It was, rhetor- it was a rhetorical question. I was just saying, yeah. he, didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't convince me too much. But, um, but I, I thought he went out in, in the bad way. I, I didn't appreciate how they, how they killed him. Yeah. No, the two kids who approached guilt. Excuse me, sir. Are you a bad man? Oh God. Oh God. That was that- Were you a bad man when you were a kid? I was never that little. <laughs> that, that's like that, that's like your Saturday morning cartoon line. As a me did the did the space cowboy remind me a little bit of Randy Quaid's character in um Baseball? in Independence oh. Day. Yes. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes. But the, the I, well, I was just waiting for him to say yours. <gasps> and then you, then we get the respite in the middle after the initial battle everyone's injured they're caring for their hurt and injured but oh. there's a battle going on they need to get back to it yeah <sighs> well i guess they figured the defenders that came to help protect their planet were going to do that but but well, did you no, notice- we, need, we need to have hold on we need to have Sybil danning's costume change so she needed to show up in her, her new costume oh, yeah yeah that that's what that was for (laughs) she literally marched in walked up to him stood in front of the camera for three seconds and then they cut away just for that shot hey look she had she had a good agent she put that shit in her contract what you gonna do (sighs) what you gotta do i think it's bullshit though that everybody who came to protect the planet died except for the people who were actually living on the planet or i should say shad and then by default, Nanelia, because she was on the ship with him. But everybody else who he recruited is gone. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony, but isn't that sort of the way Magnificent Seven actually went down? Pretty much. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. And then 
the sudden end to the movie after (laughs) his big little speech about, you know, all the people who died and and what uh, Varda says about them living on through the, you know, through the people that they've touched. And I was like, so they will always live within us. And then he said something similar. Credit. And then that was problematic. I think those pages got ripped out too. There was, no in, there was no wrap up. There was no, oh, they live to see another day or, oh, we, right, we don't know if the Kelvins are still alive. Um, they're, they're chilling in the protein bath. Oh in the back of the yeah, because what's his name? The, the the lizard was was busy sacrificing himself and like a Oh God, that not was so quick. Was that that not- he sacrificed himself him. literally for nothing. I mean, I know the you mean battle screams, shots, but awesome. his battle like, scream go- and Saint Xman's battle scream. Like, what the hell was that? <laughs> it was awesome. like, can you can you give a roar? Like, just be like, ah! You said he was like, Ee! it was awesome. Was like, wait a minute. It was Even like- her scream, she was like. Ah! Michaela said they couldn't it's get her to make her. a little like, scream. He's a whole reptile space alien, and he's gonna sound he's gonna sound like a damn uh, smoke alarm. No, that's not how it is. Uh, yeah. And well. then Sador's little his little disclaimer at the end, like you doing all of this, you killing all these planets and killing all these people because you want to live forever. Really, 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 yeah. really. Yeah. Um, another favorite scene is the Kelvins. They're all sitting around the Kelvins like they're a campfire. Oh and God! With the hot dog, is roasting the hot dog. <laughs> He's what is that? It's a hot dog. I detect no dog in that. There's no dog. And then they go on to list all of the artificial ag- ingredients, and Cowboy says, "Yeah, that's what we call meat on." <laughs> no, no. I don't know about y'all. I got kind of hungry. I was like. Oh damn! I want hot dogs, no, man. no. The fact that they used the Kelvins as a campfire was just perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> was perfect. But did they have to sit there and mumble to kind of maintain the right temperature? I mean, they just have to communicate. They're telling the story. <laughs> and, oh no, god, no, no. The awesome. part where the part where a couple of people were actually warming their hands. Oh my god! <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so good. It was great. It was so good. Oh god. I'm sorry, but this was like the best movie ever. You know, I'm just I'm I'm gonna wrap up my part in this by saying I I I do I know this movie has some problems, but I do enjoy watching it from time to time. Um, There are things that I do like about it. Um, I can remember growing up, and you know, among the the two things that I did the most when I was in the house by myself was one pretend to be Doctor Who in every room in the house was a different section of the TARDIS where I was traveling through time. And the other one was my bedroom. I was inside the Corsair and there was my ship and I would fly around. Those, Those two memories are the things that I remember the most about that time of my life. And that's why this movie has a special place for me. That's cool. That's cool. Those are good memories to have. I can go along with that. Like I was just... That's dope. I, I I really like went back to it's like I could actually I could actually see like the last Starfighter like coming up next I, I feel I feel like I could see like coming up next last Starfighter like when the credits were rolling because and this, I mean you know it's always good to go back and see things because it's like you know it's a callback to easier times and it's like this movie was just 
I mean, I, I mean, we tease it rightfully so, but it was, I mean, for the time for when we were watching it, it was a fucking great movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like we, anytime it came on, it was like, it was basically a kid's, our kids, like my version of Shawshank. Like, you know, when Shawshank comes on, whatever you're doing, you just sit the fuck down, you watch that movie. Mm-hmm. And then like when this movie came on, I sat my ass down and I watched this movie. Th- this movie, awesome. The Last Starfighter and Enemy Mine, used to come on all the time in the mid 80s. All the damn time. And I'm sure that there are reasons why I know this movie, it, it doesn't anymore. You know, they're not going to show this movie because it has a lot of problems in it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but but it, was a, it was a fun watch. It was a fun yeah. watch. I, you know, I don't really go back nowadays and watch stuff from like that far back just because kind of like we said, a lot of stuff that was filmed back then does have problematic themes and themes that of course will not be acceptable in this day and age. And a lot of times I just don't go back and rewatch stuff because I like, I want to keep the nostalgia, you know, I guess pure in that sense for me. Like I want to remember how I felt watching it the first time without knowing any better, you know, just enjoying it for what it was. But if you go, if I go back and look at some of the stuff now, it's kind of like, oh, that's really problematic. Like, I mean, there's lots of films like that. I, I don't go back and watch The Breakfast Club. Um, you know, there's other certain movies that I just don't go back and watch because of that. But this was this was still fun to, to watch. And just knowing that you guys knew what parts I was going to have a problem with and just, <laughs> you know. It was, it was obvious. It was they're, they're really obvious. obvious. Yeah. And then also too, just the 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 stupid parts that I knew we were all going to be laughing and teasing about because they were just so so funny and just so like you said, Lori, it's it's corny, it's cheesy, but it's also funny still because we know what the intent was with it, and maybe they didn't intend it for it to be as funny then as we find it now. But I mean. I didn't hate it. You know what I'm saying? It's not one of those movies where I was like, oh my God, I would never watch this again, blah, blah, blah. I mean, some of those movies you watch over and over because of the cheese factor and because of how ridiculous it is. It's like, it's one of those things that you could put on and you could just make fun of it and it immediately changes your outlook for the day because you're in a good mood. You know, that's how I felt about this film. I mean, it was, it was, it was hilarious. Oh, also like, I know that I was I was just watching it again, watching the end part where his ship was exploding. He's like, no. So he's like, we're like, we're all gonna die. He's like, that can't be. I'm gonna live forever. With his one arm having ass. It was just like then he was like, I'm gonna live forever. I wanna live, I, I wanna live forever. I was like, not happening today, bro. That was very Battlestar Galactica right there. It really and truly was. I mean, I'm talking original. Yeah. But I, I just want to say thank you guys for allowing me to indulge in one of my guilty pleasures. Because, like I said, I watch it every couple of years. Um, no, nah, bro, this was awesome. Yeah, I had I'm a so blast. Glad. Yeah, it this was, was fun. This was just crazy. I love this movie. It was a lot of fun. So, um, let's see. So, I think for the most part, we're caught up on our birthday episodes from last year. <laughs> I think we still need to do Casey's, but I don't know if we're going to get around to hers because now it's time for us to start doing our 
birthday episodes for this year. So, so far we've got Mike, whose birthday was a couple of weeks ago. And then Lori is celebrating her 50th birthday tomorrow. Yeah, welcome to the club. Yo, yo, yo. Whatever. So Mike and Lori, do you have an idea of what we're going to be discussing for your episodes this year? Yes, I've decided that we're going to do Real Genius for Mine just okay. because I wanted to do it last year. And I saw, and the only thing that almost foiled it was that I saw that Fanboys was for free on a certain other things. I was going to do that. And I was like, mm, I really want to do Real Genius. So I'm going to, so I'm, so I want to do Real Genius for Mine. See, I would have, Val Kilmer's best work, by the see, way. See, I would have fought you on Fanboys. My choice is going to be something different. Mine is going to be actually a graphic novel. It's going to be DC has this thing called Crisis. There's Infinite Crisis and there's like Final Crisis. But the one I'm going to do is called Identity Crisis. And basically what it is, it is a uh, sort of like a murder mystery, only it's in uh, graphic novel form. Um, It's really good. It's my favorite one. And so, yeah, we're going to be doing a, a graphic novel for my birthday. Okay. So we have those two. I don't know. Uh, my birthday is the next one, and I'm not sure yet what we're going to do. So I'll think about it and let you guys know. But, um, you know, if you guys want to hear our other birthday episodes, we've done, we did Howard the Duck for Mike's birthday last year. Um, we did Smoking Aces for mine, which I'm still editing. We had some problems with the... Um, with the import so i'm trying to work those kinks out we'll get those posted Lori did star trek uh what what was it deep space nine deep space nine deep space nine Nine, and then this one for anthony so you guys can go to the website and check out any of those or any of our other uh shows for our content but for now that's it for our show you can find us online at www.phantomhybrid.com We are on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Phantom Hybrid. You can watch our videos on our YouTube page, and you can find us on all major podcast streaming platforms. Thanks for listening. We hope you join the conversation next time.